Hello everyone, I hope everyone's doing well. Beautiful Wednesday out there. It is raining and a little bit chilly. Um, just can't beat that for fall, in my opinion anyway. I don't know if everybody feels that way, but be a good day to have some soup. Anyway, it's uh, good to be back from Nebraska. Um, had the Pastors in the Outdoors trip, and it was an incredible experience. I'll probably be talking a little more about that um, on Sunday. And uh, made some really, really good friends. Didn't shoot a deer, but that's all right. That's not really what I was going for. Um, and I appreciate so much the opportunity um, to go and and be encouraged and, and recharged and refreshed up there. Uh, so it's good to be back home, though. Uh, we're going to take a look at the summary from last Wednesday night. Um, and the passage of Scripture that we looked at in that class was 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 through chapter 4, verse 5. So I'm going to give you a little bit of time to press pause, read through that passage once or twice, and um, then um, open that, uh, open this back up and, and see what we, we can find from this. Um, this is going to be very much a summary. This was a good passage of Scripture, but there's a little bit of review in it as well, so we're going to make this kind of quick. Um, so go ahead, read through that, and we'll jump back into it. Okay, um, hope you're back, and this is what we're going to, to take a look at. Take a look down at, um, oh, the first, I guess you just call it the end of chapter 3, and you can see that Paul is still kind of referring back to this major issue within the church there in Corinth of, of people within the church wanting to line up behind personalities or people rather than behind Christ. And this was obviously something that was a big problem um, potential problem in the church because Paul has dealt quite a bit so far of this letter um, in dealing with that. Um, now just a, a couple of things. Um, he once again, as he gets into this passage, something else he's done quite a bit in this letter so far is comparison contrast between the wisdom of the world and um, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God which shows itself in Jesus Christ crucified. Um, and what he was getting at in this is he said, if you want to become wise, you need to become foolish first. And I know that sounds um, a little strange to us, but what he's getting at is by foolish, he's talking about being humble enough to believe something that is unbelievable if God's not right in the middle of that. And what that is, is that Jesus died and he arose and he lives. Um, that's where the knowledge of that and the application of that to life is where real wisdom comes from. Um, so he, he kind of leaves that and then you get into verse 21 and he's, he's talking about, um, once again, he, he's getting on to some people within the church there who are, who are lining up behind simply one servant of God rather than all the servants of God and more specifically lining up behind Christ. And this is what he says, this is, this, is, this is what you are doing. This is what you're missing out on. First of all, by doing this, you're showing yourself enslaved to worldly thinking. Because in the, in the common Greek teaching of the day, um, the Greco-Roman teaching, um, uh, Greek philosophy, Greek thinkers, they would line up um, behind um, uh, Greek teachers or philosophers like Plato or Socrates, or, or that's just some of the most well-known. Um, they would line up behind these and adhere themselves to their teaching, missing out on everything else. This was a worldly way of thinking. 
Um, and Paul says, do not bring that within the church. And the other thing by doing this is they were also impoverishing themselves because all of these servants of God, um, Paul, Apollos, Peter, in this case, embraced them all. Each one of them had a role within the establishment and the growth of the Corinthian church. So why, why just embrace one and leave out the others? Um, he goes from there talking about um, what what we have in Christ. Um, and this, it, what he talks about in verse 22 and then into um, verse 23 is uh, it looks a little similar to the passage of Scripture from Romans 8 talking about what cannot separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. And he talks about, about the world, and there's something we need to know as believers about the world, as followers of Jesus. For one thing, we will inherit the world, Romans 4.13. Another thing is we have authority over the world, 1 Corinthians 6, 2. We'll get into that here in a few weeks. Um, so that's something that we need to keep in mind. Also keeping in mind that with that power also comes um, submission because in verse 23 you see the chain of authority, how Christ is over us and Christ willingly submits himself to the authority of the Father. Um, so we jump from that into chapter 4, and we're going to see Paul get more specific about, up to this point he's called himself and Apollos and Peter servants of Christ. But then he goes beyond that and says they are stewards of the mysteries of the gospel. And what a servant, is, what a steward is, is is a servant, yes, but it's more, a, a steward was more than that. A, this was a servant who was entrusted with the decisions of the master's property or business. Um, a steward, because he is trusted, he devotes his time and energy to his master's interests, not his own. That was something very, very important about a steward. And not any servant was put into this position. It was those who were capable to fulfill that position and, most importantly, were trustworthy. Um, this is the exact same position that Jesus highlights in his parable in Luke 16 about the um, untrustworthy um, steward. So um, anyway, so that's just something to keep in mind. Paul says, we are stewards of the mysteries of the gospel. Again, he's bringing up the fact it's not just him. It's not just Peter. It's not just Apollos. And it's not just those three. There are others as well who were given this position because they were trustworthy and um, because they have the interest of, of God and place the interest of God above their own. So um, now these men weren't perfect. They were men, and they needed Christ as much as any of us. But Paul, again, is making it clear that it's not just him. It's not just Peter. It's not just Apollos who are stewards. It is a number of them. Um, okay, and moving from there, he moves into this thought process of, of the human court, and he brings us up because Paul says, look, I, I, I don't, I'm not judged by you. I am judged, I am judged by God. I'm not judged by any human court. The human day of judgment did not concern Paul in any way whatsoever. In his mind, if the master is satisfied with the steward, him being a steward, then who cares about the others? It is God's it is God's position of authority that ultimately matters. 
And then he goes on to say that that um, I am conscious of nothing against myself. And it's not that Paul was saying he was perfect. Um, what he's saying is, is he had a clear conscience when it comes to, matter of fact, that I am conscious, that is the in the Greek, the verb form of the Greek word for conscience. Um, you can look in Acts 23.1 and see Paul um, use this word um, of conscience when in a defense of himself, which ultimately was a defense of the gospel. Um, but he does say this. He says, I am conscious of nothing against myself, but I'm not by this acquitted. Um, the silence of the conscience does not equal righteousness. And that's something we, we need to remember in this life. Um, but Paul makes it very clear that it's his master alone who has the final say. It is the Lord who examines me. Now, verse 5, we spoke about this a little bit in class. This is where we'll close. Um, Sometimes when we think about the judgment of God and knowing that there are no secrets, um, we have no secrets from God. He knows everything about us, and that can be a little intimidating, um, as well it should be. But it should also be somewhat encouraging to us. Look in verse 5. Paul connects with God's ultimate judgment, his knowledge of everything, okay, with his praise to his servants, Um God knows the thoughts, the intentions, the motives of the heart. And where that can be intimidating at some times, it can also be very, very encouraging, especially if we have the heart for people that Christ has within us. Sometimes our actions don't turn out the way that we would like them to, even when our motives are right. Um, But God judges the motives. And because of this, can you, as we finished last week, we'll finish this week the same way. It is God who ultimately we should be seeking the praise of, God's praise. Um, and just the, just the thought, it almost brings up the, the goosebumps on my arms and thinking about it, of God saying to me, well done, good and faithful servant. It's God saying to you, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we're all, that's what we're all for in this life and working for in our work in Christ Jesus. So, um, again, uh, I've rambled on here a little bit too long. I apologize for that. Tonight, we'll take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 through the rest of the chapter. So, we're covering a pretty big chunk of scripture tonight. Um, but boy, Paul, he kind of he takes it to him in this, in this um, passage of scripture. It'll be an interesting read for us. Hope you can join us tonight. Um, at 7 o'clock, we'll have class. There'll be a meal before that at 6 p.m. And um, come and join us. Cla- classes for all ages. If you have uh, want to bring the kiddos and put them in class as well, that'd be great. Hope to see you tonight.